Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. You are listening to the Vitamin D Podcast. I'm your host, Dawn Day, and I'm here to help you become your best self. For those of you who may be joining us for the first time, I say welcome. I'm glad to have you on this journey of discovery with me as we shine light on new ways of being and thinking. Today, as we go into the fall, I'm thinking about the work it takes to get here. Think of a tree. Right now, there are trees all over the Northern Hemisphere that are starting to transition from summer to fall to change into those beautiful fall colors that make the season such joy. But what is a tree? It's big, it's bold, it takes in the sun and puts out oxygen, but what did it take for the tree that towers 100 plus feet above you to get that tall? It had to start somewhere, right? Just like all of us, it started small. A little acorn in the ground covered in that wet just seems like dirt at first sight. But you realize that dirt and that fertilizer that doesn't smell too good nurtures and roots begin to grow deep and the tree grows tall, just like you, just like me, just like everybody. See, whenever we start to chase our dreams, we may be small at the start and a bit uncomfortable, but with just the right fertilization and light, AKA vitamin D, we take our dreams and aspirations to the next level. Just wait and you'll see. Which brings me to our guest today, Cayman Kelly. Cayman Kelly is a nationally syndicated radio personality on Sirius XM's Heart and Soul, and he's also the voice for Power 105 in New York, The Breakfast Club, ESPN Radio, Bounce TV, Monday Night Football, Hello Somebody. The list goes on and on. And he joins me to talk about his new book, From $6 an Hour to a Million Dollar Dream. Now, if you're a dreamer, an entrepreneur, or simply just want to be inspired for what's next to come in your life, you might want to check out this conversation. Cayman talks about how you have to nurture your gift and how you pursue your dream. Look, this grind is no joke and the process isn't easy, but you realize that your decisions determine your outcome. We discuss topics like knowing yourself, when to take the ultimate risk, and putting in the work. So without further ado, it's time for your dose of vitamin D. Get your vitamin D right here with me and get excited about your life. Salutations. Salutations. Greetings. Greetings, Cayman Cali. Hello, 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 everyone. How art thou? I'm doing well. I was just sitting here when you said we was going to be live. I was about to go um, cut my hair. That's <laughs> I don't have time now. Yes, and by the looks, you have a lot to get rid of, you know. I see actually a little patch right there, like on the side by your ear. Oh, no, that ain't a patch. I got it tucked in. <laughs> I just tucked it in for the day. And I'm going to get back to it later. What's going on with you? How you feeling? First off, let me say, happy belated birthday. Oh, girl, please. It's about, it's about time for my next birthday. You late. Listen, you can't be late when you on time, no matter, no matter what. Yeah, okay. You know, we're blessing, we're blessing this evolution around the sun. We're blessing the rebirth of, of this conversation we're about to have about your new book. Like, this is, a, this is an exciting time, Cayman. I just want to make sure you know this. Well, the happy birthday greeting. Belated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so listen thank you for making time out of your busy schedule to talk to me about this gift that you have blessed every dreamer entrepreneur or somebody that is looking for a purpose thank you for inviting me i appreciate the opportunity to speak about it and and this this gift that we're referring to it's your book 
and it's entitled from a six dollar an hour from six dollars an hour to a million dollar dream yes lord Cayman. man you're a millionaire now see you can't be counting my money now you said, said it right there in the title a million are you a millionaire but it's a million dollar dream i didn't say i was a millionaire okay because I was really excited. I was like, wait. And I'm like, I'm thinking of it. And I'm looking at your catalog. You're voicing for Power 105.1. You just got ESPN Radio and countless of other stations across the nation, along with being a syndicated radio personality. And I was like, you know what? Are you still voicing for Bounce TV as well? Yeah, I'm voicing for Bounce as well. So honestly speaking, I could definitely see how you could be a millionaire. So honestly speaking, I can definitely see how you could be a millionaire now that I sit back and look at it. Well, I'm I'm blessed. I'll say that. Okay, so just real quick. Okay, so whether or not you want to actually confirm about the millionaire part, the fact that you can even put that in the sentence that your money can even keep up with a millionaire, what does it feel like? I was good. You know, I mean, I've, I've always dreamed about being in this space because, you you know, that, that whole title actually sums up the entire journey that I went on to get to the point where I'm at. So $6 an hour is representative of my real pay. That's what I was getting paid when I first started working out of college in major radio, major market radio, $6 an hour. But the thing is, I only got paid for four hours a day, but I worked all day. Well, you got paid $24 a day? $24 a day. And I had to pay taxes out of that money. So you got like $10 you walked away with. Yeah, so it really, it really dwindled down. You work every day. It was, it was like, it was a struggle. But you know, the thing is, when you're passionate about something and you can see where you're going, I just needed a stepping stone. So I knew it would turn into something if I put in the work. So for somebody to present me the opportunity, even if it was six dollars, because at first I was doing it for free. Mm-hmm. You know, so six dollars was a raise, right? <laughs> And you know, I think that's how you really know when you love something. Because it's like the money doesn't matter. You're so in the moment that every yeah. moment in it is just like that high that's, you know. Yeah, you're right. I just enjoyed being around it. It didn't matter whether I was getting paid or not. Nobody knew I wasn't getting paid. So by the time a position was offered to me, when they wrote the figure down on this little, like the side of this newspaper and showed it to me. And I looked at it. I said, what's that for? <laughs> they said, for the year. I was like, what? It was like 6000 and some odd dollars that was in this figure. So it, break, it broke down to $6 an hour for four hours a day. Meaning if they paid me for a full eight-hour day, I'd be making $3 an hour. Wow. <laughs> That's wow. All you oh, wow. And Dawn, to tell you the truth, it was, a, it was a real struggle. I mean, like, for real, for real struggle. Because, you know, they always wanted you to be around. But, you know, sometimes it was like, am I going to eat or am I going to put some gas in the car so I can go to work? I mean, like, for real. I looked in the ashtray. This is when they were still putting ashtrays in cars trying to find some change because I didn't smoke, <laughs> so I threw my change in the ashtray. So some days I was in there looking, trying to see if I can get me a gallon of gas. <laughs> stop, stop. <laughs> I think it's a standard story for people in radio, like especially because it's passion, it's career, you love it. Because I can recall when I would be at the radio station from 5 a.m. and I literally wouldn't leave to 8 or 9 because, like you said, staying up there is how you got the gems, how you got the opportunities, how you got the experiences. So tell us, how, how was that for you? You came in there, you making $6 an hour. What were you doing? What was I doing? You yeah, made work. Were you work. running the board? Were you working in promotions? 
how did you even know that there was money to be made in radio when they showed you $6 an hour? I'm surprised you didn't be like a bat out of hell and run for the hills. But you know what? I didn't, I didn't know how much it was going to pay. So, so the way I started in radio in the first place, I was in a music group. A buddy of mine, my buddy Corey, we were doing music together. My mom always wanted me to take music lessons. I wasn't really interested she wanted me to play piano, but back then, you know, it was kind of taboo for a man to be playing the piano because it was all women that you saw. So I don't want to play no piano. So we had a piano at home. So I actually taught myself how to play it. And then I started doing all the music and he was good with putting lyrics together. So that's how we formed this group. We ended up doing like cable TV and all kinds of stuff. We was doing performances and he calls the radio station one day. And he, he called me, he said, I'm about to be on the radio, I'm about to be on the radio. So when I turned on the radio, I heard him rapping about a promotion that they were doing. What? Me, who was on the air, he invited us to the radio station. So when I went, that's when I fell in love with it. I was like, oh my gosh, I got to do this. Because I already, I already loved music. That's number one. And just to watch the, the magic happen behind the scenes, I was like, man, I got to do this. And the production guy was like, he said, man, how old are you? I was like 15. I was in 10th grade. Wow. Voice is crazy because my voice had already changed by then. You know, like back then, radio was like all about the voice. Mm -hmm. Not so much now, it's the personality because it's not the same animal as it used to be back in the day. So you know, once I got bit by that bug, that's all I wanted to do after that. I got to do some radio. I got to do radio. So I, went, I ended up going to college and always kept that contact with the radio station. I did radio in college. And by the time I graduated, I was looking for a job. I couldn't find anything. Cause you know, it's one of those things where they tell you the proper things for you to do or the things that we think you must do mm. in order to be successful. You graduate, you go to college then you come out and get a job. That wasn't working out too well, you know, trying to get a job because there was really no experience and everybody always wants to know what have you done already mm. instead of, taking you on to try to mold you and seeing some type of potential in you in the first place where they are willing to take a chance on you. So, so fast forward a little bit, there was a job fair that this radio station was doing and I was cool with the, um, the receptionist. So she said, we're doing a job fair tomorrow. She said, come up and you can ride with us. So I get there, Dawn, I get there early. This is how I know like God was in this plan, right? So I get there early and they already gone. So I'm sitting in the parking lot like, man, I done drove all the way up here and I ain't, gonna, what happened? So I was like, man, I'm already here. So I went to the front door. There was a security phone in the front of the building. I picked the phone up. Albie D, the one who invited me in the radio station when I was in 10th grade, he was on the air. So he said, yeah, come on up. So I come up and I'm talking to him. And uh, I was telling him I was trying to find a job and all this stuff. He said, well, I don't really have a job to give you, but... You can certainly help me out. I could use some help around my show, like answering phones, taking requests, stuff like that. Be a great way to get your foot back in the door. So that's what I started doing. And in the process, I was teaching school. I was a substitute. They offered me a full-time job. I was like, nah, I, I take the substitute thing. That way I can kind of control my schedule so I can go when I need to. So being at the radio station, they started to notice me around, you know, and, and they started asking questions like, can you do this? And I was moving chairs and, all kind of stuff that I didn't necessarily want to do. But everything that you had to do so somebody can lay eyes on you. Exactly. So eventually people learned who I was. 
So, so, and I, and that position came up. And one day when I came from school, I came in the studio and somebody was sitting in my chair. So there was an intern there and I had the intern coordinator come in and tell him there's a position open in promotions. I suggest you go back there and drop your name. That's how he talked, right? He couldn't whisper. <laughs> go back there and, and drop your name so you can try to get that job. So I heard it. I went to. Now, mind you, you won't believe this, but I grew up shy. Came and you were not shy. I was shy, like to the point where I wouldn't even ask her to go to the bathroom. I just pee. <laughs> I'll clean up later. <laughs> it was like that kind of shy. So wow. this guy was kind of timid. like, And I saw it because I recognized the introvert. You know what I'm saying? Because I was like that. But I learned how to cope and how to deal with stuff. So I was like, I'm not going to get nothing if I don't say nothing. So I went back there. Wait, hold on. It. Wait a minute. Say that again. Because I think that is very important on a journey of any dream or just existence of life. How closed okay. mouths don't get fed. There you go. That's exactly what I was about to say. Old folks said it best. Closed <laughs> mouths don't get fed. And that's it, you know, because because I know that was a part of my personality. But being shy wasn't getting me anything. Mm -mm. Because, you know, having a gift doesn't mean anything if nobody knows about it. This book right here, Don, it took me two years to finish this book. If I don't say anything about it, how people know it exists? Exactly. Same thing with your gift that's inside of you. So by me being shy, I realize things about me that I got to overcome some of this stuff. And you're like, and I still suffer with it too. You know, I don't like small groups of people. I feel intimidated when I walk into and everybody's staring at me, but I learn how I have coping mechanisms that I use to overcome it. So I walk in a room, I crack jokes. They start laughing. I feed off of their energy. Now the, the mood is light to me. So that's the way that I deal with stuff. So same thing with getting that job. I said, man, I'm getting this job. So they said, tomorrow we're going on the street here. So I come from the school. I'm flying. I see I'm about to pull off. I said, hey, wait, wait, wait. I jump in with him. We went to the mall. I was in everybody's car. How y'all doing? What's up, man? <laughs> Passing out stuff. Slanging. I knew. And they let me call into the radio station because I knew I would get it if they just give me the opportunity. So that's when I came in and they said, we want to give you the job. I thought I was ready to make me some money, though. I, I, I can't lie. I thought I was going to make a, a decent amount of money at least. So when I saw that figure, it was a little shocking, but I still kept telling myself, this is an opportunity that I can turn this into something. All I need is the stepping stone. Mm. But once these opportunities are presented, what are you going to do with it? Mm. It doesn't matter about the money to me. It wasn't all about the money. I think that's interesting when we talk like about a lot of entrepreneurs and just dreamers in general. I think one of the things that is like a, a block is that thinking about the money. Yeah. And my thing is always like, I may not have it all right now materialized, but yeah. it's coming and that's what kind of energizes. But I'm just interested to know, why do you feel like it's so very important to make sure that you say yes and seize every opportunity? Because you, you, if you have a desire to do something, you can always turn that stepping stone into something bigger. Mm. You know what I mean? And, and I kind of use the, the analogy with, you know, people, when they say, man, it was just sunny, now it's raining. But that rain had to start somewhere. It is just not come out of anywhere like you expect. Like you say, man, that rain came out of nowhere. No, it didn't. Mm -hmm. it came out of the clouds, the Nimbus clouds that have been building up for a long, long time. And they were swelling and they was waiting for that moment to burst. 
So it's the same thing with any kind of opportunity. And it's taking. (gasps) I love that analogy. Because I I ask God, I'm just like, I want my blessings to rain down on me. Because it's like, you know, when you get that water in your rain, you know, I took it a little left. I just think about that's where life and things start to grow. And honestly, think about it. You know, if if we think about our blessings are in this cloud and we keep putting in the work, waiting for the season. Can you imagine the abundance and the overflow? Nothing can exist without water. Okay, that's all. Exactly. And, And speaking of water, there was I was reading through my book yesterday and there's this analogy because. If you start doing something and you give up, how much closer are you to your dream? Why? Mm. You're, you're not. You're not going to get any closer. So why not keep going? And then I use. I, I talk about stagnation because stagnation ultimately ends up in death. You kill yourself if you stagnate. You die. Right, because living things grow and they move and they change. Right, and, and think about it like this, Don. If somebody brought you some beautiful fresh flowers. They were sitting in the vase and you had some water in there, but they sat for a while. That water didn't have any movement and it started to stagnate. When you take them flowers out, that water stinks. You can't drink it. It's not good for anything anymore because it's stagnated. And it's the same thing with your life. If you stagnate, you're not worth any value. You're not doing anything. You're not helping anybody. You know, like, and I, I, you know, I'm a firm believer. I'm not on this journey just for myself. And, and we need to surround ourselves with people that can motivate us. And I talk about it all the time. And, and matter of fact, last night I was talking to, um, I was talking to uh, RL from Next. Yes. Step back and dance and kind of close. <laughs> okay, sorry. Talking about his journey. And a lot of times when you look at people, and I started to notice a pattern. A lot of times when you look at people and you deem them to be successful, you don't know what they're dealing with internally. That's why success can be defined in so many different ways. It's not necessarily all about finances all the time. Success, say you wanted to be at home with your kids. So your job allows you the hours where you can be at home with your kids. Mm -hmm. You can define that as being successful. I've achieved that goal of doing what I wanted to do for my family. So, you know, I don't think we can always equate success to being finances. If if the money comes, then cool. That's the bonus part of it. Yeah, I look at I want my success to be just like peace. I just yeah. want to feel good. I want to do what I love. And I guess also with the freedom. But even as you were saying, like, you have to put your dreams out there. Cayman, we have to be honest. There is this thing of judgment that we all fear. And it's interesting. And I say this to myself, even as I say, like, you have to put yourself out there and you fail your way to success, you know? And as you're talking about the stagnation, that procrastination will hit me because I'm thinking about all my imperfection and everything that isn't right. Somebody is not good enough or that whole perfect, you know, context. And just like how you were saying, like, to get over that aspect, was it easy for you to just put yourself out there? No, it really wasn't. And, you know, and, and, and that's part of my natural makeup and my personality. Mm. It didn't allow me. And there was a whole lot of stuff that I self-sabotaged myself. I scared myself out of being successful. I wanted it, but I think I was told no so much that I just expected people to tell me no. So if a yes came, I'm like, whoa, I'm not ready. And I give you a prime example. 
And, you know, I got stories for days. So I'm talking to my, my friend, Keith Robinson, who's an actor, right? So I was telling him, I said, man, do you know I auditioned for a soap opera one time, right? So I walk in the room. I'm nervous as hell. I'm dressed to kill, though. I've got my suit on, right? And I walk in, and they introduce me to the young lady that I'm going to be reading the opposite of. And I said, I already know her. And everybody was like, you do? And I said, yeah. I said, girl, you don't remember me? I went to kindergarten with you. <laughs> she was looking at me like, I don't know this fool. Like, that's how everybody was looking at me like, I don't know this dude. But really, I was doing that for me because I was breaking the ice in the room so I could get comfortable with them. So then when I was like, oh, I'm just playing with y'all, they fell out laughing. The girl was like, oh, my gosh. She was like, I didn't think you were Jewish. <laughs> She said, because I went to school with all Jewish people. Like, <laughs> Yo, that was funny. So look, we started doing the read. They give me the script. And I'm looking through the script. And there was a part in there where I had to fuss. Right? I'm like, the hell with you. Like, and I'm in it, right? And the lady was like, oh, my God, that was great. Do it again. So I do it again. And she said, do it one more time just for, just, just for giggles. So I do it again. And then she pulls me to the side to talk to me, right? And she said, oh, my God. She was like... You are really good. Have you ever taken acting classes before? And I said, nah. And she said, you should really consider taking acting classes because it'll just enhance what you already have naturally. Mm. I said, okay. She was like, what's your body look like? I said, I work out twice a day. And she she made me take my suit jacket off. And she said, yeah, you're really toned. She said, you know what? I can't guarantee anything. But she said, if you come to L.A., she said, you don't live here in L.A., do you? And I said, no. And she said, well, if you move to L.A., I can almost guarantee that somebody will pick you up during pilot season. And I said, shoot, I move to L.A. right now. Right. I'm talking trash. Right. (laughs) This lady is cracking up laughing at my jokes. I have no idea who this woman is. Right. So I leave the audition. and I'm out in the hallway and the security dude say, hey, man, let me holler at you for a second. I said, what's up? He said, listen, I don't know what it is that you have. He said, but do you know who that lady was that you was talking to? I said, I don't have any idea. He said, man, that woman is the head of NBC Daytime. Shut the front door. Look, he said, I've worked with her for years and I never heard her laugh. He said, brother, you got something special. I'm telling you, he said, you got something special. And, And all of that stuff that I absorbed, I went home and scared myself to death. I was like, I can't do that. I can't do that because... You know, we're fearful of change, mm. but it's only, it's only a few people that can really put themselves out there that don't care. Like, I don't care what happened. I'm, I'm going to try. There's only a few of those. But I so think it's also like, a muscle. Huh? It's a muscle to exercise. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, our fear of change helps hold us back. Mm. You know, and, and I'm going to tell you something, and I write about this in the book as well. It's all about a network. And this is what I was touching on before. And, and, and people that can actually motivate you. You can't tell everybody your business because you're going to have some secret haters. That's another chapter in the book, haters and naysayers mm-hmm. that don't want to see you succeed. For whatever reason, they may want to change places with you. I want to be where Dawn is. I don't want to see her uh, succeed over top of me. I want to get there first. You know, so you got those people and then you got naysayers as well. Naysayers are people who don't necessarily hate you. They actually care about you. 
and they don't want you to get hurt. They don't want to see you get hurt. And I know Don wants to go on this journey. I know John Don wants to go out of the country, but I just don't want you to do that. I don't think that's a, a proper thing for you to do. That's the kind of things that you hear from naysayers. So, you know, like, and I, I list my parents as being naysayers in the book. They care. But, you know, like with the competition and the things that I wanted to do, they didn't necessarily see me fitting into that. Mm. Because, uh, listen, and listen, and I don't mean this is not uh, this to my parents. I love my folks to death. They've been very supportive of me. And even more so now that I've proven that I can actually do it. They proud to death. <laughs> and, and I've heard the same story over and over again. Molly Music. Molly said he, his job lovingly fired him because he was chasing his music dream. This dude had a scholarship to play football. And he said, I went home and I told my dad, look, I'm about to do this music. He says, father, like, what? You ain't finna be around here sucking up my air with no music. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's like people can't see your vision. They don't see what's internally inside of you. So let me ask you this. Do you tell people your dream then? Because they say life and death are in the power of the tongue. You have to speak life in your dreams. You have to profess it. So, like, do you say something or not? Do you tell people about your dreams? It depends on who it is. Because, and and, and like, I keep on getting off the the subject, but building a network of people who actually understand Mm. what you're going through, you know, and and that, for me, happened to be my wife. Like, this is the biggest blessing I've ever had. She was the one who, who was my cheerleader and pushing me into doing things. So when I had started doing voiceovers and, and a lot of this stuff starts to feel like, well, dang, that felt like it was an accident, but look how I stumbled upon this. But really when you start to look back at it, you see how life is really like a puzzle and all of those pieces start to fit together. Cause this is something I wanted to do for years. And I went, I left my um, job and went to BET. This is when um, Sirius XM, XM satellite radio became a thing, you know, and BET was doing a third party channel for XM and I got hired to do that but me being there and we was meeting with creative services people on the TV side to find out what they had going on so by sitting in those meetings these people got to know me then they said can you voice something for us see what I'm saying you were in the room being in the right place at the right time so there's an opportunity for something and I taught myself how to use the software and put production together so here I am doing all the BET's radio commercials. I'm voicing them. I'm doing the production for them. That was a check. Next thing I know, I'm the voice of BET. That was another check. Then BET had digital networks. I was the voice for that stuff too. So I had a retainer from that. And then the job folds up. I just got married, built the house. Right? But I don't see none of that. I'm like, oh my God, I lost my job. Oh my God, just got married. I just got this house. What am I going to do? Forgetting that I had started something new. I got these checks coming in from that. So my bills were never late. But watch how this fits together, dog. So I don't have a full-time job anymore. But I'm still working. And it frees me up. So I started traveling from D.C. to New York. Every week, like two, two or three times a week. I didn't have enough money to get on the trains. I was catching a bus. Ooh, that was a nightmare. <laughs> Yeah. Ooh, I know that story. Yes, I do. I'm just laying down in the seat like they sleep. Man, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> so I 
did this, right? And I trained with one of the best voiceover guys in the world. He in did New York movie. or D.C.? He was in New York. So he, he made me audition for him, right? And I said, man, this dude ain't gonna never call me. He called me the next day. He talked to me for like 45 minutes. He said, he said, um, you have a great voice. He said, and I can tell you have a lot of potential, but you don't use your, your tongue or your teeth when you speak. Mm. He said, hold your breath. Mm. He said, did you ever realize you hold your breath? And I said, no, I didn't. But you know what that came from? It came from me doing a slow jam show. And he said, all you need to do is talk. Your voice is already deep. Right. But doing a slow jam show, this is what you do. Yeah. You know, we slow jamming on the red light special. You know, like you you put on. So put I'm on. on. And, yeah. And I started, it became a habit. So when he pointed it out, that's when I noticed it. I said, oh my God, I do hold my breath. I'd be out of breath when I talk. <laughs> so he said, all you need to do is really just open it, open your mouth and talk. And then he said, you're a great mimic because I would repeat everything that he said. He said, man, you, you, you got the potential to be one of the greatest in the business. So he said, I tell you what, I got a class that I'm forming. He said, I'll blow my class out to work one-on-one with you. What? Yeah. So he worked one-on-one with me. But here, here's the thing, Don, and keep in mind I had lost my job at the time when I met him. So, of course, this is going to cost me something. So here's where my wife comes in. Did you sign up for your class yet? No, nah, I ain't done it yet. I got to make sure stuff around here is taken care of first, and then I'll get to that extracurricular. My wife's always been disciplined with money. I spent everything that I had. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, I got to check that I'm signing up. I said, no, 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 no. You ain't got to do that. Don't do that. She was like, no. This is an investment for us. Come through MVP. And she gave, she gave me that, that check and I signed up for that class. And, you know, I got my voiceover demos and stuff together. And, and this is how, and I went to a marketing class in New York, right? So the dude was like, he said, man, he said, I, I'm going to listen to your demo. We're going to listen to everybody's demos. And he said, you know, just give me some time to get back to you because I'm really, really busy and blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, okay, I ain't want to play my, my demo in front of nobody because I ain't want nobody to critique it. It took me forever to put it together because I was I was critiquing it myself. Like, oh, no, that ain't good. I'm going to do that over. Let's do this over right here. Finally, I just had to give it to somebody and let them do it because otherwise I would have never done it. So she says, um, so he calls, he actually called me the next day. He said, oh my God. Now, mind you, he told me he's really, really busy. Mm-hmm. And call me like give him some time at least four weeks or so he calls me the next day he said oh my god this demo is absolutely amazing i mean from the graphics on the outside of it to what's on the inside i mean this is really really you could certainly work new york you could certainly work new york wow listen what man i kept playing that message over and over again like no dog are you serious no and that's when you start to start to doubt yourself when stuff really starts to happen. And like, no, nah, this can't be. And I give you another scenario. And this is how crazy things are. So all these years that I'm doing BET stuff, I'm working in my own place. Like, so I don't really see people like that. You know, so fast forward, I get an agent signed to Don Buckwall in New York. So I, I, I do this audition, right? I did a bunch of auditions that day. And one particular audition that I was supposed to do 
had to be over the phone. And I kept forgetting the call. So the first night I forget the call. And they said, oh, don't worry about it. Call tonight and, and leave your audition on the phone. So, oh, like the voicemail? Yes. Oh. So, oh man, you're going to be blown away. Watch this. <laughs> so, so they said, leave your audition on the phone. So I do all these auditions and record them. And I'm getting ready to go to sleep about two o'clock in the morning. I forget. I said, oh, I got to do that audition. So I grabbed the script and I grabbed the phone and I kept hitting three to re-record it, right? You know, you hit three to listen to your message and re-record it. Uh -huh. So I kept it. And that's it. Then I went, I'm sorry, this is the first thing that you have to hear early this morning. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's marketing 101. Because nine times out of ten, if they're casting for somebody, they may be like, we want deep voice too. So everybody in the room going to have a deep voice. So what's going to make me stand out from everybody else? So that's when I'm like, I'm going to say something in front of my thing. I'm sorry, this is the first thing you have to hear this morning, but... And then I read the audition. Why well, I ended up getting the gig. What? It was for TV Land. Yes, yeah, so I started voicing Everybody Loves Raymond promos for TV Land, right? Oh my gosh. Mind you, Don, this is the first time that I'm working outside of my own space. But I walk in, I'm looking the part. I'm green as I don't know what being in somebody in the studio. But you ain't gonna never know. I acted professional. I went in and was like, man, my boss loves your voice. After you finish reading these promos, can you do something for us? If you have time. If you, I'm thinking, man, I got all the time in the world. Like, this promo going to take us 15 minutes to knock out. So, so and when we finish, this guy was, do you have, how are you looking on time? I said, I'm good. What you need? So they pull this thing up on this screen, right? And I'm looking at the screen. And it's a new show. They got Betty White and Valerie Bertinelli in the minute, right? So I'm looking at it. They said, do you think you could do it? It was a scratch track on it. Dude sounded like I had a doo-doo. It was like, Cleveland. So that's the way scratch track sounded. Somebody that just put their voice on it, what they think it's supposed to sound like. So I'm like, yeah, I can knock that out for you. He said, cool, let me get you a script. So I get this script and I jump in the booth and start reading. So he said, oh man, that was awesome. He said, I'll call you either way. He said, my boss likes and they want to use you. Should I call you? Should I call your agent? I said, it don't matter. Whatever. He said, I'll call you either way, even if they don't use you. I said, cool. That's fine. So I left. Got a call the next day. Man, they love you. So I did the whole ad campaign for Hot in Cleveland, which was like their number one, one of the biggest greatest shows that they ever had on there. I did the whole promo campaign. Wow. For that. The movie theaters and everything. And this journey, is this after you've kind of like been official and you have an agent or a manager? Like, where are you with that process? I, mean, I had an agent by then. I had an agent, but, you know, like I didn't start working right away. I did the BET stuff for years, but, you know, like all the auditions that I went on, I used to get frustrated, man. It's like, damn, come on, I ain't landed nothing. But, you know, and a lot of times when you think you're ready, you're not always ready. And then when you start to look back, you say, oh, okay, I see I had to develop that skill right there so I could get to this point. And ain't no different than, and here's another story for you, Brian McKnight. Brian McKnight had a record deal when he was 19, but his first album didn't come out until he was 21. He had developing to do. Mm -hmm. You know, and a lot of times people as songwriters, if they don't live no life, they don't really have anything to write about. Oh, talk about it. Think about it. 
You know what I mean? And you know what? This makes me think of something I read in your book. You talked about, um, and this is something that I'm working on, and I feel like anybody that's out there with a dream can probably attest to it as well. You talk about this moment how you don't believe that you should work then live, but you should work and live. Mm -hmm. And just like, you know, that whole notion of taking time, it's just like, People tell me all the time, I want to motivate and inspire, but Dawn, if you sit behind and you're working all day, you have to get a moment to live, to mm -hmm. breathe life into the dream, yeah, to have yeah. something to connect and to relate to. But I'm just curious with you, looking at the amount of success you have garnered thus far, how... What do you mean a balance? Like, I get it when people say you're not going to get eight hours a day. People are giving you accolades because you're producing. But hello, I had to produce and take time for it in order for it to manifest to what you see. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of work that goes into it. So the balance comes comes here. Now, now watch, watch what happened. And this is a, a prime example because, and it goes back to my wife again. You know, I'm working every day. And I'm coming home. I'm staying up doing BET stuff late at night. And we had our first child. So he was like, all this stuff. And I was working at another radio station when I left BET. So it was like, I'm drained. Mm -hmm. Right? So uh, there's a lady that worked at BET with me named Miss Pat. Miss Pat gave me a book to give to my wife called Choosing to Cheat. And I referenced that book because what that talks about is that there's only 24 hours in a day. And you got all these things, just like you said, it's all of these things that you got to get done. But, and it, it talks about all of these CEOs that may be traveling, you know, they're making all this money, but they got a family that's sitting at home that they're not spending any time with. Mm -hmm. Just because you got all this money and stuff, like who knows you? And then in the United States, they talk about the stress level that most people carry because they work all the time. And then you look at other countries where they take a siesta, they just break down and take a nap in the middle of the day their stress level isn't the same. You know, so this book is talking about that very thing. It's only 24 hours, which is not a lot of time. You still got to sleep. You still got people that you got to talk to and spend time with. So who are you going to cheat is basically what it's saying. Mm. So when you, when you look, when you really look at it, and my wife would ask me this all the time, when I go to work and I start doing voiceovers, she was like, I don't understand why you're still going to work every day. Like, it doesn't make sense, you know, because Don, the reality is I was making more money being at home than I was going to work every day. It costs you to put gas in the car. You got to find somewhere to park. And, and every day I'm buying lunch and I'm going to get me something out the vending machine. <laughs> Let's just be clear. OK, <laughs> I like snacks. OK, so it could, if you really think about it, it, it's an expense to go to work. So then I had to pay more money somebody watch my kids, you know, so I can have more time. School wasn't long enough. Then I got driving traffic to get back home, pick everybody up. You know what I'm saying? So, 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 when she kept saying, I don't understand why you're still going to work every day. Like, your life could be much more comfortable than what you're doing. And I said, well, you know, I mean, radio still feeds my spirit. I still love what I do. I don't agree with everything that they do. But I mean, where else am I going to increase my network like this? The people that I meet, mm -hmm. I'm talking to artists like these people are my friends now. So I said, you know, and then I started thinking about we was driving to church one day. She was driving. I was on the passenger side and she said this. She said, man, I'm telling you, I really believe God wants to bless you. Ooh. But you're holding on. 
and he can't bless you unless you let go. Because you got to make room. Man, you know what's funny? You know, a lot of times when people are close to you, you don't listen to them. It takes somebody else to give you the same message. And then you're like, oh, that's a confirmation right there. But even though I heard her, I didn't say anything right away. But I started like really thinking about that thing. And she would ask on a regular, like, how many stations do you need before you actually leave your job? So I just shot out a random number. I was like, mm, if I got six, I will leave. So mind you, at my first radio station, and I never even thought about doing voiceovers and radio because all I wanted to do was be on the radio. I didn't even realize that was like even a thing. Not for me. I didn't think about it. So the first station I ended up getting was Power 105.1 in New York. So I got Whoa. the number one in the country. Hold on, wait a second. I read that. And what I thought was so interesting is the gentleman that actually connected you with that opportunity. Yeah, that's my man. That's Quasi. my man. And, see, and Quasi. Because you know, Quasi but, actually put together my voiceover demo. Really? I, yes, I was in New York. I was sitting there with my um, my good friend, Karina. She's on air in uh, Texas. But I was in the studio with Quasi and Quasi sat there and I was like, you know, just like how you said the cheerleaders and what you surround your network with and that ultimately determines your net worth is that Quasi took time and he helped me curate my, my whole demo, which actually is what I used to get an agent out here in Los Angeles. Yeah. I just thought that yeah. was a very good uh, connection. Yeah, so you know, like, uh, and, and the way that I met Quasi was through somebody else that I befriended from um, Sirius XM, dude named Brian Apple. Man, this dude always looked out for me. Really? Always. And you know, like, and I still give him his props to this day. I said, man, you are a good friend. Because, you know, a lot of times people say they're going to do something for you, but they never really do it. Mm -hmm. We're praying for you, girl. That's cliche. You ain't really saying no prayer for me in most instances. And, and you, when you hear songs about it, my grandmama prayed for me. <laughs> oh, I, <laughs> I got a praying grandmother. <laughs> right, that's what you hear. Right. So, even for him to take that initiative to like introduce me to somebody and what it turned into. And you know, by having a New York station, uh, uh, you know, like a top rated New York station, people tend to copycat. You know what I mean? What do you mean? Who? We want to sound like that station right there. Gotcha. I started picking up other stations because I was associated with that station. I mean, they was come. I wasn't even advertising anything. And I would get emails. I picked up a station in, in Milwaukee. Then I picked up a station in El Paso. And this was like all while I was on sick leave because I had hernia surgery. And then my last child was born while I was off. And I'm getting this stuff. And I'm doing TV land at the same time. So this is when stuff started really popping. So then I told my wife and I said, man, I said, all right, this is going to be it. In December, I'm going to leave my job. So by the time I went back to work, it was July. Man, December came so fast, I got scared. Mm. And I thought about like reneging. I was like, I ain't going to do it. I'm going to stay on this job. Because I felt like if I go in and I'm going to tell them I'm going to leave, they're going to let me go right then and there. And it took me a long time to say it. So I was nervous. And I finally went in and had a conversation. And, they, and, and instead of them saying, well, you can go ahead and roll. They was trying to work with me to figure out what we could do to keep me on the air. Wow. Talk about favor. Right. And, and that's exactly what it is. So now I do both, but I do them out of my home. You know what I'm saying? I still got my radio show and I can still. And, and, and here's what happened. Dawn, and this is what really made me believe. The thing that she said when we was going to church, 
when she said, I believe God wants to bless you, but you just keep holding on. Mm. So when I did let go, man, it was so many things that just opened up. So mm. mind you, I started Voice and Bounce TV when they, in their inception, when they first hit the air, I was their voice. This contract was for six months. I had a contract. So they said, you know, like, we work well together. This will turn into a two-year contract. So in that same period, I was voicing this narration for a crime show. And I went to this lady's studio to record it. And she said, oh, my God, your voice is amazing. And she said, make sure I get your contact information before you leave out of here. And I said, "Okay, that's cool. And she said, no, matter of fact, give it to me now, because I would hate for you to do the session that you walk out and I never have contact with you again. This lady, her name is Cheryl. I write about Cheryl in the book, too. Cheryl did what she said she was going to do. I was about to go in Walmart one night and I checked my email before I got out of the car. And I got an email from a lady from TV one that said she had listened to my demos and Cheryl had referred me to her. And she said, I think you'd be great for unsung promos. Wow. I already put a short notice, but I want to book you tomorrow. What? I wait, the television show unsung? Yeah. Oh my gosh, another connection. Okay. First, interning at Sirius XM, or when it was XM at the time. Then Quasi, you know, helped us in different degrees with our voiceover. And then, you know, I used to work at the production company that actually produced the episodes for Unsung called A. Smith. Hey, came. I'm just excited because if you're like a millionaire, that means I'm on the right track. That's all. (laughs) Look, and then I end up getting the TV one thing. So I, I, I get hired to do the promos for Unsung. And then all the producers start hitting me up. So I'm doing And then I ended up being damn near the voice of TV One. Wow. And, and it comes to the end of my contract with Bounce, right? I get this email. I'm about to go to church one day. I'm always checking email before I go in somewhere. Dude was like, quick question. Are you the voice of TV One? Ooh, ooh. I can tell this could be a prop. So I didn't respond right away. And then um, and I said, no, I'm not the voice of TV One. There's other voices. I just... <laughs> Like, I'm dominant, but I ain't the only voice that's on there. So they had a problem with the amount of work that I was doing for TV One. So here's where the blessing came in from. They offered me an exclusive contract. So, you know, like, if I got to leave this, then, of course, you got to pay me for the money that I'm going to miss. So I don't need to say nothing else. That, That contract was hefty. Listen, it reminds me of this song. Don't be surprised when they ask you, what a cash shit. It's in your pocket. It's in your account. <laughs> Run me my money. Oh, you know what? I felt like I got the money. I didn't even see it. But I, I felt through your excitement. Man, listen. I mean, it was so many things that were just opening up beyond that. that it, was, it was absolutely amazing to see things unfold. You know, when you just take a chance and, and step out on faith. But you said yes, Cayman. That's the thing that's so amazing. You said yes, you showed up, and you were consistent. And just reading your book, like, first of all, I mean, you talk about going from $6 an hour to a million-dollar dream. I can only imagine, like you said before about the naysayers and the challenges, but it attests to the fact of when I think of, you know, Ernest William, or William Ernest Henley, and he talks about how you are the master of your fate the captain of your soul. You have to really take initiative to take charge of your dreams and you can't lose sight and you have to want your dreams as bad as you want to breathe because you understand that is your why and you talk about that as well in the book. And, you know, 
Can you tell us just a little bit why it is so important to make sure that your dream aligns with your purpose? Oh my gosh, man, you just said it. <laughs> you said it. You already said it. You know, your your dream and your purpose line, you know, because when you really start to sit back and you think like, how am I going to help my family? How am I going to help people around me? Because I'm a firm believer, Don, that we don't just get blessed to keep it to ourselves. Mm. You know, and, and I tell you this all the time, even in our personal conversations, that there's no better thing that you can do than to invest in another human life. So how is this gift that I have going to help somebody else? And then my subtitle on this book is the process isn't easy, but your decisions determine your outcome. Mm-hmm. You know, which is which is very important for you to keep in mind. Yes, there's some days that's frustrating. You know, I stay up late because I have so much stuff to do. But, you know, like I make sure I go upstairs and I spend some time with my my family. And, you know, like and the kids are doing virtual school now. So what better opportunity because I'm home. Like I don't have to find anybody else to come in. I'm here. If they need me, all they got to do is text me and call me and I, I head upstairs. So, you know, like that's a blessing within itself. And, you know, and another thing that I'll say to you, a lot of times, you know, when we try to fit situations and, and that we try to force them to fit. Mm. And I'm an example. You know, for, for a long time, you know, I thought I was great being on the radio, but sometimes I would look at other people like, dang, man, they get all the opportunities. Like people call them. Nobody was calling me like that. So I was like, dang, man, am I not that good? And then one day when things started to turn, somebody called me about doing an afternoon job, right? Man, I was trying my best to make that thing fit, but the hours were wrong. It was three to seven. That's the most critical time in my house. Right. Somebody need to be there. You got to cook dinner. The kids got to get baths. They got homework. They got stuff to do. So, you know, a lot of people say, man, you can get somebody just hire a nanny or something. But I don't want somebody to do something that I'm supposed to be doing. And, and here's where it went crazy. So I took this um this workshop at church. Right. It was called Fighting for Your Family. Mm. We were fighting for. And when I opened my Bible, those books, I mean, those uh, worksheets was in there. And I started to look at them. I'm like, oh, my gosh, like all of these answers were in there about what I'm supposed to do. But here's where, where the confirmation really came. So I fixed dinner one night and I put it on the table. One of my kids was like, Daddy, you're the best daddy in the world. Oh, my gosh. Ripped my heart. I turned around, start crying. <laughs> And that's what made me realize that, like, no, man, you can't chase everything. Oh, certain things that are more important. Like I said, man, there's no way in the world I could hire somebody to come in here and do what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm. And I had an attorney, and you're like, and I, man, I love this woman so much because she wasn't all about the money. She cared about me as a human. So she was like, hey, man, she said everything's not going to fit. Everything's not going to fit. She said, you know, your wife is proud of you for who you are, and, uh. and her of being taken care of it's not all about the money all the time if, if you're not home like somebody got to fill in the gap you know what i mean right so you, yeah and you're like and i look at that as part of being success just like i said you know like it doesn't always boil down to finances look what i'm able to do you know just because i took those steps of faith i didn't know it was going to work out like it did but i tried But see, here's the thing. It's interesting that, you know, as individuals, we can't talk about having faith without it being exercised. Because faith without the Father, 
follow through is dead. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in talking about faith, whether it's in a religious sense, a spiritual sense, what have you, because it's all, to me, intertwined in the same message. If you know that things are working for your greater good and the best, and you have this vessel that you're gifting that you know if you stay aligned with it, it's going to give you an overflow plus everyone around you. Why would you not take that chance? And mm-hmm. just like how you talked about in the book of, I thought this, the name of this chapter was so interesting and I'm shifting because one, I love the fact of how, how supportive your wife is and how she was of your dream and how she mm-hmm. goes on the lines of being a cheerleader. But just in the sense when we talk about navigating through the process of how you have to lose to win. And because of that losing, you find out every way of not doing something. But then again, you know, you find out more when it comes down to your purpose and how it all just works out. Yeah. And there's another story right there, Dawn. (laughs) You bring the story to remembrance. I just talked to Jimmy Jam last week. And I referenced it in that very chapter because I was standing on Hollywood Boulevard having a conversation with this dude. Right. So I don't know whether you know their story or not, but Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, they played, you know, behind Prince and the time and oh, all of them. Yes. They were on tour with Prince, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis with Moonlight. So they go to Atlanta to produce some records for the SOS band. Ah. They got caught in the snow and couldn't get back to the tour. So Prince ended up firing them too. So I asked Jimmy, I said, Jimmy, was that the worst day of your life? Or did you know this was like a blessing in disguise? He was like, nah, it was the worst day of my life. <laughs> got fire from Prince. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing. Those records that they worked on became some huge records. And it solidified them as the producers. Man, these dudes got like 40-some number one mm-hmm. records in all genres. But if you think about it, it's kind of like it lines up with the story that I'm telling you about my life. Yes. You know, they lost here, but they won here. And they like the most sought after producers, even, even in their sixties, like people, they still doing records. You know what I'm saying? So if it hadn't have been for that, they would have never figured that out. And it's just like you said, it's just making room. And I'm in a transition right now. Like, you know, this weekend I'm getting everything out of my house so I can build, you know, start over, start anew. Because basically mm-hmm. I'd never made it, you know, a point to make room and create the opportunities to have new. And it's like, you know, we ask God, you ask the universe, you ask, you know, whomever to give you these blessings. But where are they going to fit? Because if you got so much stuff, stuff meaning stress, stuff meaning things in your home, stuff that you have no business holding on, the stuff that you hear in somebody's ear. How could you listen? How could you hear? How can you you uh, step into the space if everything is so tight and constricted? Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. And, you know, and I, I deal with the same thing. You like, and, and one of the things, Don, that people always have to realize is that you never arrive. There's always room for improvement. Mm. Oh, you know, when you said that, that reminds me. Um, uh, a good friend of mine, uh, Louis T. Powell, he says. Life is the journey. No, the journey is the experience and the experience is the journey. Mm-hmm. Very true. That's like Prince saying, I love you. No, what'd he say? <laughs> he said, I hate you because I love you, but I can't love you because I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, but I can't love you because I want <laughs> When you listen, I said, God, that's deep right there. I hate you because I love you. 
but I can't love you because I hate you. Right. Mm. He was deep. Now let's just try to imagine what silence looks like. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's amazing. I think, you know, you know, just talking about this, I think it gives a lot of opportunity. And and just if if we're not clear, because I only named a couple of things. Tell me all the things that you're doing in this voiceover realm in your career. Oh Lord. Um Hold on, wait, take a deep breath. <laughs> <sighs> oh. Hey, look, I'm scrolling through the book and I passed by Jimmy Jam's story right there. Boom. Failure, a blessing in disguise. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, so so recently, man, and I was really excited about this. I get a um a message through my website, and it was it was in um in regard to ESPN. And of course, I look people up before I make contact with them, make sure it's legitimate. So I look up this gentleman. I say, hmm, okay. So I call him. We have a very brief conversation. And um, when I hang up the phone, he said, let's talk sometime next week. So I call him back again. And I had made out some, some notes of some questions that I wanted to ask, right? So I said, when you say ESPN, well, he said he was looking for somebody to image ESPN radio because he was about to revamp this thing. And I said, okay. So I said, when you say ESPN radio, do you mean like, a local ESPN affiliate. No, 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 man. I mean, nationwide, all 500 and some affiliates. Oh, my God. <laughs> so I went, oh, okay. Like deep down inside, I'm like, this what? Jam, pump it up. Give me that cash. Show him that. <laughs> so, so, you know, we worked on this deal for a minute. Him and I had conversations. So we formed a friendship mm. over this period of time. He said, man, if we get this done, boy, this will be history. So the deal ended up working out, and I'm, I'm now the voice, the national voice of ESPN Radio. And, oh my um, gosh! It was over the TV too, because some of the shows like on ESPN News and all that kind of stuff. So I actually turned on ESPN because I never hear stuff that I do, and I actually turned it on the other day. And most of the time, I'm just looking at news, and I turned on ESPN. I said, "That's me." <laughs> you know, like even after all these years, it still excites me to be able to hear something that I've done. You know, so. Do you that remember was, where you were the first time you heard yourself? Whether it was on television or like the radio outside of, you know, being on air? Um, Just curious of what that felt like. You know, the first stuff that I heard was, was BET stuff. I did their first celebration of gospel, like for the radio. And then when I got the course of TV stuff, I would see it on TV. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's me. That's me right there. You know, so that was, that was exciting. It's still exciting. To this day, I don't think it ever gets old, to tell you the truth. So I can just imagine what artists feel like when they hear that song on the radio for the first time, mm-hmm. you know? That's how I feel. And then, I was um, crying when I first heard my weekend segment. I know, <laughs> I, I said it. <laughs> <laughs> I did it, mama, I did it. I did it. <laughs> okay, what else you got? So, so then, you know, like, and from that, it was so crazy because I was, I was sitting outside one day. And this was just like a couple weeks ago. This was like two weeks ago. And I see this email from another gentleman that said that possible voice work was the subject line. And it says, may have some um, possible voice work for you in MNF. Right? So I'm like, <gasps> so I don't know what MNF, you know, like I've seen it, but of course, like looking at it in the email, I don't know what this is. So I Google MNF and it comes up Monday Night Football. Boy, stop. I'm saying, 
hold on, dog. So he's like, you know, can we have a conversation? What's a good number to reach you on? So I emailed him back. He calls me about 20 minutes later and we talk. And he said, man, I love your range. Of course, this comes from the ESPN gig. So this is how stuff like starts to snowball after a while. You know, and, and this ESPN gig came from a, um, an advertisement that I was running somewhere that I was about to take down. I said, man, I ain't getting no traction from this. I swear I was about to take it down and then I get this call. Now it's still up there, though. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get it twisted. So look, he says, um, he said, yeah, man, so I got this. We got this idea because we're changing the intro to Monday Night Football. We're using... Um, Hank Williams Jr. is not song's not going to be there anymore. He said the uh, Little Richard Estate let us use "Rip It Up," a song that Little Richard put out in the fifties, and they got a band out of Richmond that's playing behind the vocals and they're singing the backgrounds. He said, and I think your voice would be perfect for the intros. He said, you mind reading one for me? I said, no, nah, I got you, no problem. So I go in my studio and I cut it and send it back. He called back like he was a little hesitant. He said, uh, uh, I said, man, just say it. Whatever, whatever it is, like, I want to work with you. I want it to be right. So, you know, if something ain't right, just let me know. Because I don't ever want to come across like I'm Hollywood to nobody. Because I ain't that. So, he said, yeah, I think if we try it this way, that'd be the nail. So, I'd go back in there and do it. He said, I think I got what I need. So, he said, I just got to run it up the pole to see if I can get approval. Hit me back the next day. Say, man, congratulations. You are the new voice of Monday Night Football. Oh, my gosh. I do all the intros for Monday Night Football now. Wait, how does it go? Can you say something? All right, so this was for the game with um, New Orleans and the new Las Vegas Oaklands. So I read like this. So keep in mind, at first we started talking about doing it with a Saturday Night Live delivery because he said, you know, I want it something like Saturday Night Live. So it's all the players and the graphics and it, I introduced all the star players in the piece that's playing that night. So somebody gets hurt, and of course we got to swap the names out. But this one says, um, it's Monday Night Football in the Desert, featuring Drew Brees, Alvin Kamara, Derek Carr, Josh Jacobs, and many more. It's primetime clash in Las Vegas. It's a primetime clash in Las Vegas. Wow. <laughs> That's dope. Dopeness.com. Yeah, I think we ended up using this line as we open up the new stadium in style. Because, you know, Las Vegas got the new stadium. I don't know mm. really watch football or not. I don't either. Two. I just say, yeah, like I know, but no, I really don't know. They got a billion dollar stadium. So, of course, we had to nail that line as we open up the new stadium in style. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. And I just think about like, you know, you talking about the trying and, you know, it's one thing to be excited about all what you're doing. But like you said, like that grind to get to that point and how you said the countless years and that six dollars. I'm just glad because I'm not sure all the time people realize that, especially in today's society. And Mm -hmm. while we're in this whole society where you can really make yourself what you are by putting your content out there, it's just so important that you do and, you know, really push fear out the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because like you, you said, when you start there and show yourself, you give people the reason to want to invest in your acorn. Yeah, yeah. And then you know, a lot of times, man, you know, it's easier said than done, but it does take, you know, it does take those people around you to push you when you get into those funks. Mm-hmm. Like I ain't ready to do it today. <laughs> and we all have that. 
you know, because it, it was frustrating for me in the, in the very beginning. You know, it was it was very difficult in the beginning because, you know, I wasn't making no money. It was a struggle like, every single day. And I was so frustrated. And I said, man, maybe I chose the wrong thing to do. And my dad used to tell me, he said, man, one day you're going to look back at this and you're going to laugh. And I said, well, shoot, I'd be glad when it get funny because it ain't funny right now. You know, okay. Now, but, you know, like, like I said, and I say it all the time, but these are stepping stones to get somewhere. And it's not easy while you're in it. Because I had some jobs I could talk about that were like the worst jobs I ever experienced in my life. But I see where they were necessary for the journey. And, and you're like, another thing, Don, you know, people, they always talk about looking backwards. And people say you shouldn't. But I think it's a good place to measure where you've come from if you look back. But if you got to look backwards and you got to stay back there, then you don't need to look back. Right. Keep your eyes impressed. Man, I see where I came from. Like, this is worth praising. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So you can look back for that as as a good measurement to see where you've come from. And then, you know, also even looking back to say... Maybe what I've been doing all this time is the wrong thing. And I, my gift has been showing somewhere else. Because, you know, sometimes I, you know, I talk to people because I always try to encourage people to go after your dreams. Keep yourself mm-hmm. alive. Like you said, you're not dead yet. Go live. But then mm-hmm. people say, well, I'm too old right now. It's too late. Is it ever too late? No, no. And you know what? This book says it all. When I wrote this, Somebody asked me, say, what would be a good return on your investment? Excuse me. And I said, a return on my investment is for somebody to be inspired and actually take the initiative to do what they desire to do. And I don't think you're ever too old. I got a friend and I get, you know, like he's been going through some, some, some bad times in his life. Mm-hmm. And you're like, he said, man, when I see the stuff that you're doing, he said, man, I'm so mad with myself that I didn't do stuff when I was younger. And I said, brother, we can't cry over that. That time is gone. Like, what are you going to do with the time that you have now? Because time is valuable. Mm-hmm. If you sit all day and you don't do anything, you ain't put yourself no closer to what you want to do. You didn't do anything. And, you know, and I think, like, Don, we are such a funk in the society that we live in right now because everything is on demand. And I blame that on on the technology that we have. And and, and another thing I was telling RL yesterday, I said, people are dealing with so much anxiety because look how we're measuring our lives now. You're not talented unless you got some numbers on your social media. Mm -hmm. The numbers outshadow your, it overshadows your gift because nobody wants to take a chance on you if you already built a following that, oh yeah, let me see what you got to offer. And you see it play out in so many different industries. I remember, um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. They wanted to put Trey songs in it. And then people was like, no, nah, we don't know who that is. So when they looked at his numbers, they was like, oh yeah, let's put Trey songs in it. So they put him in that movie because of his, they killed him like before the credits started rolling, of course. But they, they <laughs> used his name. But what I, my point is they used his name as a draw for people to come to the movies. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. Everything is a draw. Like, let, me see what you, let me see what Don's numbers look like. They ain't even looking at what kind of talent you got. But here's the thing. Can I say this? I've, I'm not completely upset with that. And I'll say why. 
I'm sure you've heard the quote that hard work speaks talent when talent doesn't want to work hard. I think this kind of similarly aligns to the fact that you got to put your, yourself out there. You got to yeah. grind because, you know, you may not be the best at it right now, but what are you doing to market yourself, to put yourself on the block? Right. I understand that. I understand that. But what I'm saying is, you know, like the anxiety comes in. Here's what I'm saying. If I post a picture and only get five people to like it, does that mean, what's that mean exactly? Mm. Do I fall apart because 200 people didn't like me? They don't like my stuff. They just didn't see it. You got a lot of competition that's out there. And then people aren't willing to wait to watch things grow. Mm. Oprah was going to be as big as she is. Think about the dudes that used to date Oprah that treated her like shit <laughs> and talked to her any kind of way. Right. They ain't staying, man. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's what I'm saying. Like, you don't ever know. And that's, that's another thing that I can say to you. We don't deserve to treat people any kind of way. Mm. It doesn't cost you anything to treat. I don't care what somebody does. And I always say this because the people when I was going to work every day, the, the cleaner people at the job were like, oh my God, you're so nice. You always talk to us. You smile. I love you, man. And I said, you know, they said everybody else walks around like that. He did his face like they me. But my thing is, you don't ever know. You might have to trade positions with them one day. Everybody doesn't always stay where they are now. People grow, they move on. What if you got to look to that dude and he got to give you a job one day? Mm. Just because he cleaning up now don't mean he going to always clean up. Think about it. Or take it even a step further. If you come in there one night and they in there clean up and you fall out, they walk right over your behind. I don't know that he ain't never speak to me. Right. You lie down there and that's, yes, your only source of help but they leave you down there until you expire. You know what I'm saying? You just never know what kind of traffic you're going to run into in, you, in your life. And then also, I think it's also making sure that you create that good energy, that vibration, because that's yeah. what you'll attract even later on, whether it's with that person or the next. Yeah. And you know, and that's, that's very important, you know, because your, 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 your reputation is really all you have. Mm. And you're like, and I shared a story with you that I didn't particularly care for, you know, but, you know, the way people treated me. But I said, man, listen, you talk about me, but it's going to do you more detriment because my reputation is solid. I haven't done anything negative to anybody that I come in contact with. I sleep well at night. So you talk about me, it's going to come back and bite you. Listen, I just came up with a quote in my head right now. Let me know if this works. This is my first time saying out loud. Are you ready? I'm ready. You keep talking S-H-I-T, your teeth are going to rot out. You get it? <laughs> <laughs> Quote it. Dawn Day said it on the Vitamin D podcast with Kay and Kelly. <laughs> Facts or no? You keep talking S-H-I-T, your teeth going to fall out. <laughs> you got doo-doo in your mouth. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and your breast ain't real bad. No, right. but that's amazing. I think that attested the fact of even, you know, not... Along with your hard work, along with the, the the just straight up opportunity and that of having the support of your wife. But that's something that I always admire about you, because while I didn't have much interaction with you when I was interning there, I knew of you. And even the moments that you said hi, even over the years when Brian, who is actually the uh, technical producer and produces the Vitamin D podcast, he would hit me up. And the fact that, you know, he was like, well, lay some vocals down. Maybe I'll do something with Cayman. It's just like, wow, that was an honor, was a blessing. And it was never never a thing and so that's when I ran into you last year at the worldwide radio summit I was like oh my gosh and it was like nothing 
And I appreciate that. No, that, that really means a lot because like, Cayman, I aspire to do it how you doing it. Like, you know, like you out here and you making it happen. But more importantly, you are investing in lives. And like, that is my sole purpose, you know, to speak life. And so when I came across your book and I'm like $6 an hour to a million dollar dream, all I could think is like, man, who's about to be inspired by this? Because I know that Detroit girl sure was who just heard a voice on TV and knew that she liked speaking, didn't know where it was going to land to. And look, I'm talking to, shoot, one of the prominent voiceover artists in the industry. Shoot, on networks. What? Stop playing with me. What? Huh. Uh, say my name. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> I know, I'm crazy. So wait, uh, thank you so much. I just want to know, is there anything else that you would like to tell someone as to why they should check out your book? And what do you hope the book does for them? Well, I don't think I got no more, but you know, the book is available on October 2nd on Amazon. It'll be available on amazon.com October 2nd from $6 an hour to a million dollar dream. And just remember this subtitle right here. The process isn't easy, but your decisions determine your outcome. Mm. And this is for all ages. It's for all ages. It doesn't matter how old you are. You're never too old to reach your dream. Please believe. I'm just wondering, where can people follow you on social media? Oh, well, I am on Instagram at Cayman Kelly. That proper spelling because people put E's and E's in it. It's C-A-Y-M-A-N-K-E-L-L-Y. C-A-Y-M-A-N-K-E-L-L-Y. On Instagram and on Facebook. Twitter is at Cayman Kelly Show. And I understand you got some things cooking up that you do on Instagram Live. Yes, I Sell do. yourself. Matter of fact, I do interviews on Instagram Live every Tuesday. So I invite guests on and I've had a number of folks on inclusive. I, I got to look at my wall. So Johnny Gill, Ralph Tresvant, um, Jimmy Jam. Let us see. RL. Um, gosh, it's been so many. Wayne Brady. Shout out to Wayne Brady. That's my man. Um, Stokely. Will Downing. Gosh, it's been so I can't remember without looking at a list, but it's been a lot. Avant. Shout out to Avant. Did you have Tank? No, I haven't had Tank. Tank changed his phone number. I can't call him. I don't, I don't Tank. Know. Oh, and Neo. Neo came on too. Neo, man, that was amazing. That's wow. my man. So basically, you get everybody and their mama and their mama and son. Yeah, somebody like that. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, you got me looking around at my wall now. Which is I amazing, by the way. Yeah, Don is, you know, it, it's amazing how long um, I've been doing this now. How many years? Shoot, man. You know, I started from my beginning, my radio journey started in 10th grade. I was 15. I'm 48 now. 38 so, years. Like 33 years. 33 years. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh, my that's, gosh. That's almost as long as I've been on this earth. That's yeah. amazing. It is. You know, when people say you're legendary, I'm like, huh? No. Yeah. Legendary. Yeah. Because yeah, I don't really feel any different. You know, yeah, I get older, I feel younger. Cayman. Hmm. Okay. I don't know what we're playing here. We're on the podcast. You voice for air one of the number one stations in the country. 
for a number one morning show. Uh, and I don't know. I guess maybe maybe you say it does for the same because each part of the process, you know, you grow and it's just a step. But I'll just say this. Yes, you are legendary. Yes, you are that man, that one in charge. You are a shiznails and you are a beacon of light. And, you know, they say give people their flowers while they're still alive. Thank you. Because, you know, it's those moments to know, like, I'm possible because I look at your story and I'm like, dang. Came and, did, and I want to thank you because just even attest to the fact that I'm sure there's plenty of others. But just like when I think about Brian and how we started out and I had this program at XM and then he showed up and then you just invested in him and look at him like what? Mm-hmm. Yo, Brian Freeland, check it out. Gizmo, he is the man. Yo. So yeah. I, I just thank you so much. Thank you for you. Just thank you. No, thank you. Because you're going places, girl. In fact, when you finish up here, you go across the street, get your Sunday. (laughs) (laughs) No, but for real, though, Don, you know, and I tell you this all the time, I see, like, you have a huge potential. And, you know, I would advise you to just keep pushing and keep going because eventually you'll start to see things unfold. And they may not look, you know, sometimes look dark sometimes, but you sometimes look light. But, you know, you always follow that light. You want to head towards that light because it's there. Mm-hmm. And, and like a lot of time when you start to look and you start to get frustrated, tell yourself that God didn't bless me with this gift. Amen. Just because there's a purpose for it. And, you know, like this is not on demand. So you can't just go hit the button and watch what you want to. It takes time. It takes time. So just to stay the course, it'll happen. Thanks again to Cayman Kelly for joining us on the Vitamin D podcast to kick it and to talk about his new book, From $6 an Hour to a Million Dollar Dream. The process isn't easy, but your decisions determine your outcome. Y'all, when I tell you that your dreams are in your grasp, I need you to believe me, not just for me, but for you. Is it hard out there? Yes. But most of the things that are stopping you from being the you that you want to be are within your control. Please, please, please don't skip out on what you feel in your heart is your calling just because it's hard right now. You just heard it from Cayman's mouth. You can go from working as a volunteer at a radio station to being the voice of the station if you're willing to show up. For yourself, that is. And if you'd like to get a copy of Cayman's book, you can find it on his website at caymankelly.com. You can also find him at Cayman Kelly Show on Twitter and Cayman Kelly on Instagram. And as always, you can catch us here on your phone every Monday with more inspiring conversations. And if you're looking to get even more vitamin D in your life, you can follow me on all social media at Dawn Day Speaks. That's Dawn, D-A-I Speaks on all social media. Until next time, always remember, you are your greatest asset.